Well, Larry, it's time for the final podcast of the year. I've taken Gizmo, I've submerged him underwater, and oh, then no. I shoved a whole bunch of food in all those fuckers' mouths, and now we get to talk about cyberpunk for the next hour and a half. <laughs> oh, no. I hope it's this doesn't go that long. All of our anger. Well, considering how much there is to talk about with cyberpunk, I'm not promising it won't be that long. But we've talked about uh, a lot of it. Yeah, sure. But this is, uh, we've talked about a lot of the things already that we mentioned in the last podcast. I don't know why you would come to our year in review podcast expecting us to not maybe tread old ground. That's pretty much all this is. Um, I did try to keep these categories as diverse as I possibly could. Uh, but boy, it came dangerously close to Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red sweeping the whole thing. Okay. So again, the Grimmies are entirely your thing. I do not interfere with the selection yeah. process for these categories. Uh, yeah. But it should be pretty obvious. Yeah. So I've I've waded through the the muck and the grime of 2020, and I think I've compiled a pretty comprehensive list here. Uh, there are going to be a few honorable mentions in all these categories. Stuff that I don't want to just completely drop off by the wayside. Uh, but look, not everybody can win an award. 2020 was a bad year, and there's a lot to unpack. Uh, and we should probably start off with worst game of the year, because this is probably the easiest one to approach out of this entire list. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, my top three worst games of the year. Uh, number three is Cooking Mama Cookstar. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, forgot that was this year. Yeah, me. So me too. Holy cow! So this thing might have been a Bitcoin miner. No, apparently that, that was like that. There wasn't <laughs> sure. anything to that. But that yeah, was it's, funny it sounds that people thought it might be. Yes, but the the point is, it like weirdly stressed the GPU in a way that it absolutely should not. So yeah. they really fucked up. Uh. But the other thing with this was this whole weird, like, the license for Cooking Mama and, like, the original creators not sanctioning this game at all. It just kind of ended up out there, and then yeah. it got delisted, didn't it? They had yeah. to pull it off the market. I mean, it's not just so, that. Like, it got yanked from shelves, even. Yeah. Like, you could hey, not look, buy it legally. A game getting delisted is unheard of. It has never yeah, happened uh, before yeah, in yeah. video games. But Never like the, with this, a major IP. But this was like a too human style. It just like yanked from all forms. Yeah. Um, didn't stop like the publisher from selling it on their own website though. Yes, uh, it is very Afro Samurai, both in the way it got delisted and also the quality of the video game. Yeah, and the fact that this is still like a license that people are familiar with. This isn't just some brand new thing that got shot out there. This is not a um, digital homicide case where it is a couple of whack jobs just putting out very bad asset fl asset flips, not asset flips. Mm -hmm. Although, uh, play some of those games. There's someone yelling outside my window. They also hate Cooking Mama Cookstar. Um, Everybody does. Yeah. So, and that is something that I actually think is it, I should have brought up before we d dived into this worst game of the year. Uh, it is very easy to just pick out some garbage that got like leaked out on Steam Early Access and say this is the worst thing because, of course, like that stuff is always going to be way, way, way worse than 
games released by like known publishers and developers mm-hmm. what we want to do though instead is recognize those publishers and developers that are well known and established for releasing something that is genuinely garbage for example a previous year's uh, left alive coming yes. from square enix uh, yeah. a truly wretched game yes uh, and so number two on our worst game of the year list is Cyberpunk 2077, mm. but I need to specify for base last-gen consoles, that specific version of the game. And we will get into this a lot more later, but to just summarize very briefly, it runs so bad. <laughs> it is kind of amazing how bad it runs. Yeah, It is almost like... They did not optimize the game for those base systems at all. No. It's almost like nobody even looked at them. Yeah. Um, So yeah, like of course that would make the top three. That is a very major release. It does not play well at all. Uh, You should avoid those versions of the game like the Plague or like COVID. Uh, But number one... Number one I picked because this was truly disappointing for the both of us is Deadly Premonition 2. Yep. Man. I had such high hopes for this thing, and then listening to you talk about it just yeah. brought me down so much. A game I had to get a refund for from Amazon for a physical purchase I'd opened, uh, which, well, I mean, that has other parallels to Cyberpunk, um, but much earlier <laughs> sure. in the year. But yeah, that game was, was just so broken. It ran... Out on the same level as current console Cyberpunk, except there's yeah. no way to brute force it into running better like there is for Cyberpunk. I I haven't really checked on the status of like patches to that if it ever got any better. I know there were a couple of patches that maybe did a little bit, but even yeah. without that, game is just bad. Yeah. It's and that's like the the key thing to differentiate this cyberpunk for me is that I did not have high hopes for cyberpunk. Like I was interested in it, I wanted to pick it up, but I was fairly like tuned out from it until it you know a lot of this stuff started to break. Where it's like ah, you should maybe cancel your pre order. Yeah, when I was like, uh, oh, you, you should take a look at some of this stuff because yeah, uh, not sure um, about this. And you were even less interested in cyberpunk than I was. But yeah. I, I, you and I both are big fans of the original Deadly Premonition. We mm-hmm. got in on that game on the ground floor before it really kind of blew up in a big way. That's uh, right. Back when it was only available on the 360. Shout out to Gumball uh, Dad's thread on Something Awful back when it came out, which yeah. was how I read about it and went out to GameStop to get it. And the guy at GameStop looked down like, was like, are you sure you want this? And I was like, yep. <laughs> You know you can't return this once it's open, right? Yeah. Uh, I need you to sign here to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that game owes, I think, a lot of its popularity to both Gumball Dad and also Giant Bomb's coverage of it. I would uh, say Giant Bomb two... more than anything, probably. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, like, those were the outlets that you and I found out about it. Yeah. And we both really enjoy that game. I I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous and funny and janky in a way that is endearing, but I also think the direction that plot goes in by the end of it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Deadly Premonition 2, I was super interested in, but I was maybe a little bit wary of because I didn't want Swery to kind of lean into the stuff that 
you know, that 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 jank that people kind of hold up as being a positive quality of the original. I didn't want him to like lean into that in a phony way. And boy, he didn't because it runs like shit. Yeah. Yeah. This seems just like a complete technical failure. It's not really like I don't think he yeah. was doing it on purpose. He's done no. better games since Deadly Premonitions. The thing like D4, yeah. I wish he would go back to D4, finish yes. that. Yeah. Uh, the Missing. Also really good, but then here comes Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, and, and like, that's, there's enough of sweary shining through that thing in the way it does in the original with, like, all this stuff with, like, old Zack, and he's got the cancer, and he's got a bunch of weird DVDs. Like, that stuff yeah. all sounds terrific. Right, old, old and Zach I really want to sit down and experience it. Who just talks about how movies are the purpose of life? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that stuff's all good. Zach's Twitter profile would look a lot like Jim Belushi's, just tweeting out like anime recommendations and legalized cannabis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, it, it it then just gets completely dragged down by being a technical mess. The the frame rate just completely diving, like going out into the overworld and just having it play like sonic unleashed like fucking no thanks so like i and the fact too that it being a switch game it's less likely to drop in price over time mm-hmm. um so yeah. even if they fix it like I, i'm not sure that's something i'm going to hop into unless i can find it for dirt cheap well and that's then, also why i say like even know, like technical it's, issues it's, aside it's just not that good uh, like yeah. it, it doesn't really have the same charm that the original did. It, it starts out good with that bit with Zach, although that does go way too long. Um, yeah. But yeah, even if it was fixed, I'm not sure that I would play all the way through it. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations, Swery. Uh, you you got worst game of the year solely because you had such high hopes from us, and you let us down. Sorry, Swery. Still love you. I love you too, Swery. I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I wish you'd do better. Yeah, I'm just disappointed. Uh, so I might as well just then jump into worst retro game of the year. Uh, same qualification. This is something that you know I haven't beat in the previous year. Uh, I really sat down and tried to find something that I had come into fresh that just was terrible, and I couldn't. So I have to kind of bend the rules a bit and pick one that I just never got particularly far in. Barely got to see much of the game uh, back in the day, but came to it now and absolutely loathe it. And that is Quest 64. Yeah. This thing sucks shit. Yes, it does. Oh my God. It's so bad. Like, again, I was exaggerating when I told you. you yeah, I did, because I remember back in the day, like, I thought the main issue was, oh, the frame rate's not good. But, like, I bet there's a good game in there somewhere, and I need to see it. I need to dig deep and find the good game in Quest 64. It doesn't exist. It's all bad. The, the leveling up system is based on how much you use, uh, you know, how much you get hit ends up raising your HP and your defense how much magic you use ends up raising that, uh, so on and so forth. And what this ends up meaning for a game that... Ba- Ow, I hit my hand. That's <laughs> <laughs> how much you hate Quest 64. I punched the desk. Um, 
the sense of meaning for the game balance is that the early portions of the game are just spent getting your crap beat in by enemies so you can actually stand a chance later in the game. Because uh, the way that you sort of progress through the world map too is that trying to backtrack to earlier areas to grind experience takes a lot of effort. And at some point, I'm pretty sure it's almost impossible. Uh, you have these like feathers and stuff that may allow you to warp around, but it's still just like incredibly tedious to go back and kind of grind out in earlier levels. So I bought a Game Shark to try to alleviate some of this because I did not want to spend like 40 hours playing Quest 64. And even with a game shark just running like a cheat to raise like my defense to the maximum so I wasn't like dying in a couple of hits is still a genuinely unenjoyable game. Like the, the combat's just very dull. The, it, it does not kind of shake itself up enough. Like the game as it presents itself within its first hour, that is it. It continues to be that thing for the entire experience. So my initial impressions of it back in the day, I would have been better off just having like lived the rest of my life with that and having not seen a second more of Quest 64. Uh, but instead, I bought it on a cart. Played it on real hardware. Yeah, it's on my shelf. Mistakes. Still. Yeah. Which is worse, though, me buying this or you buying Deadly Premonition 2? Uh, you buying that because I was able to get a refund. That's true. Also, I knew what I was getting into. I had some. Yeah. I had some idea. I could have found out very easily. Yeah, you were just stubborn. Oh, and you're like, no, retro games. It must be good. Yes, I need to as fill if, the shelf. As if Arrow the Acrobat did not teach you otherwise. Like that's the thing about my Nintendo sixty four shelf is that it's just games that like I remember playing back in the day. So there's stuff on there that I know I really do not want to play. I just want to have it. And like Quest 64 was partly that too, where I still just kind of want to have it because I had an experience with that game. And so it still has value for me from that perspective. Uh, this is the same reason why I have Superman 64 on my shelf. I do not want to play that game, but I want to have it. I would play Superman 64. I know it's bad. I copy. But. My copy of Superman 64, though, also has a bunch of like blockbuster video stickers on yeah. it. Yeah. It was a rental copy, and so Ooh. I also just like I think that's neat. Yeah, I I feel like that's a much more authentic experience because like I don't know about you, but I never got new games back in the day because they were yeah. expensive. So pretty much every oh, yeah. SNES game I had had rental stickers on it. Yeah, yeah, that's mostly how I got to play games was through the video store. You get the big like clamshell case from Blockbuster where they, uh -huh. if you're lucky, have typed up hints on the back of the box. So you oh, knew what you were doing because they didn't give you the manuals. The local store, uh, yeah, they never had manuals in anything. Um, yeah. Well, I remember that specifically with Metal Gear Solid because if you don't have the box, you don't have the codec number. Yep. So on the back of the Blockbuster video box, they had to print the codec number. <laughs> yeah. Well, Metal Gear I bought when that came out. I remember going to Toys R Us and getting that. It, uh, they had a huge cardboard standy thing of Snake and Meryl and the Metal Gear on it. Mm. Uh, good memories. Had to go over and pick up the ticket. Standy, that's in school. Why that standy with your uh, stimulus money? Yeah, find it on eBay. Give it to there me, Bernard. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Quest sixty four probably no one's surprised is a very very bad video game. Yeah, uh, but 
more to my surprise, like this year, I don't think I played anything that was like completely new to me that really leapt out as being just a terrible experience. Uh, which isn't to say that like that hasn't happened plenty of times, just remarkably not in 2020. I had, uh, there was a tweet going around about like, what's the worst video game you ever played? And I really tried to sit down and like think about that. And every time I put more than a couple minutes of thought into it, I turned into the zombie kid from Twin Peaks. And just started like vomiting <laughs> pea soup. Hey, sick! <laughs> He's yeah. thinking about Quest sixty four again. Yeah, I'm Bobby Briggs, just sitting there staring. I have no idea what to do. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. So we should probably. This is where things started to get really tough for me in coming up with these lists. We normally save biggest shit show until last, but I think that maybe we should Storm. just get to it now. Storm, I'm sorry. Uh, just don't think it really matters either way. Not but really. I didn't. I didn't want CD Projekt Red to sweep everything because I think that there's an argument to be made that Cyberpunk 2077 is the most disappointing game of the year, especially on the base platforms. And I say that more from like a broader perspective than just us, because again, our rationale for Deadly Premonition was that it was disappointing for us specifically. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, there's I, a definite. I I would say that Cyberpunk gets a not, not just for its performance on old consoles. I would say the entire game they sold it as something that it is not. And yeah. I don't know how much and, of that was actually them because I didn't pay much attention to like the marketing to it or i don't know if it's just fans getting their expectations way too high for it but yeah uh, especially coming off of the witcher 3 it there mm. cyberpunk is about as shallow or like as deep as a kiddie pool because there's yeah. not like, actually much in it we'll get to that stuff because i want to save all the cyberpunk stuff for the the end of this podcast yeah. i think that's what this is all really building to but like again i think there's an argument for worst game for you know the reasons that you said and, and for the rationale of it like if that were a category that was broader in its perspective uh i think that cd project red might be the worst publisher of the year for mm, that matter no given uh, i again i think that there is an argument that's not yes, necessarily that i there, gave it to them there is um I would yeah, say out of these, I, I think, would say probably developer, because I have another thing in mind for publisher, but I'll see what you pick. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that there's an argument to be made that this is the worst retro game of the year. Somehow, <laughs> Cyberpunk finds a way. Like, I mean, it's look, on it was an announced console. eight years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's on an old console. Yeah, sure. <laughs> look, on the old consoles, it looks like a fucking Nintendo 64 game, so... Yeah, it true. might be the worst retro game of the year. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, you see those low poly models and stuff; they look worse than characters in GoldenEye. <laughs> what is it, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven or Quest sixty four? Hey, <laughs> see this? Did you hear yeah, about I lay this? I down on the couch and I cry. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think more than anything else, there's a solid argument to be made that this is the biggest shitstorm of the year. Just everything surrounding yeah. Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red just. All that stuff. I think maybe, in fact, it is because yes. it, it, there's just so much. But I I feel that it would be really fucked up for us to ignore the stuff that happened with Ubisoft. Yeah, and all the sexual harassment and misconduct allegations that surrounded that company and the higher levels of management, like 
that is so bad and it really did not get enough attention this year yeah well that's also i think that's kind of why it wouldn't win though because like the whole thing is like what was the biggest fiasco yes and the ubisoft stuff's really bad but it kind of just went away like it, was, it sort of came yeah. out there and was around for maybe a week and then everybody forgot about it yes uh, which is not and, good but obviously that's... but that's the thing too i think when you look at the seriousness of those two events the the sexual misconduct and the very long history of that happening at ubisoft and that company just refusing to change its ways until they really just got caught with it all finally Mm -hmm. versus everything happening with cg project red and cyberpunk the spirit of the category is more in cyberpunk's favor because it like you said it's more about what was the biggest most sustained fiasco during yeah. the year what well, unraveled the most yes uh at the time of this recording and by the time that this recording goes up there might be another like eight things that happen with it yeah every but week, i also it was like, just a game of let's talk about what happened with cyberpunk so then something yeah. else will happen between now and when it goes up yeah it's been a recurring segment but the, the the ubisoft stuff is so serious that i feel that if you're sitting down and you're looking at the year in review and the worst quali- the, the worst things that happened during that year, it feels bad for us to not even acknowledge that that stuff happened. Yeah, sure. It's reprehensible. And it, it, thank God they got rid of, um, I can't pronounce this guy's name, Haskuit. Uh, which one's that? That was like the main guy who would like he would conduct business meetings and strip clubs and he would pressure his coworkers into drinking oh, and then yeah. like women were warned like do not go anywhere with this guy alone do not yeah. go to strip clubs with him like fucking do not this is a bad dude uh, and then as a consequence he would end up giving promotions and recognition to his male coworkers who did end up going with him on these excursions horribly fucked up thing just from top to bottom yeah uh he was described as eccentric even besides the point he was part of the gatekeeping process at ubisoft where they would kind of look at what what games to put out there and like if he was bored by something he'd start slamming his head against the desk like he's just a weird dude mm-hmm. um but they they let him go and like part of that was they very much you know ubisoft is a company run by these five brothers uh he's is the middle brother out of the group and has been the ceo since i believe 88 um yeah but like and again i can't pronounce this guy's name because it's got a little weird funny symbol over the e. i don't know what that means it's these two little dots what the fuck is that i'm american <laughs> i didn't even know i didn't even know what the line over a letter meant until pokemon came out and then i had to learn it yeah <laughs> and apparently ha- you ha- still didn't since you said pokemon whatever i'm set in my ways pokemon pokemon poke pokemon po- po- fantastic anyway, it, yeah has kuit h-a-s-c-o-e-t and the e has two dots over it you know words better than me help i don't know i wasn't paying attention when you just spelled Haskuit, maybe <laughs> i don't know i think yeah anyway uh within the culture of that company he was very much viewed as like the sixth brother he was um oh what's the why am i blanking on the character's name the lawyer and the godfather tom hagen tom 
Tom Hagen. Yeah, he's like the Tom Hagen of Ubisoft in that he's not actually a blood relative, but like he's still viewed as a member of the family, right? Yeah. So for them to let this guy go is not an insignificant thing, but the fact that they knew that this was going on for such a long period of time and never did anything about it until now is abhorrent. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you uh, want to know um, what did Eve know and when did he know it? Essentially. <laughs> yes, exactly. Eve in his office just yelling, fuck him! <laughs> so like 20 different CRTs. Yeah, it's just the end of Secret Honor. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning the name so everyone can look up the clip of Nixon saying fuck him at the end of Secret Honor. <laughs> yeah, Robert. So Oldman they know what the him. hell. Yeah, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, it like. You know, I'm sure that there were a bunch of HR complaints about this guy that just like nothing came of it because, again, like the, the corporate culture at Ubisoft shielded him from all of this. So, yeah, this might not necessarily fit the spirit of the category because it's kind of a different thing. But when, when I really sat down and I was compiling, like, here's just all the bad stuff that happened. And the more I looked at that Ubisoft thing and just how little attention it got for how horrific it was. I yeah. would be remiss to not dedicate a segment of this podcast to talk about that because I, I think it's disgusting and it's fucked up and Absolutely. like shame on Yee's and that entire family. It's horrible. Yep. Also so. certainly makes sense uh, why Jade Raymond bailed on Ubisoft uh, years ago. Yeah. Because uh, there, uh, there were things in that report that I think were specifically related to her also. I hmm. believe... Uh, when she was making watchdogs, it was something about that. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, there was a uh, when I was looking through the stuff too. The one that I didn't hear about the first time was that apparently he served uh, his coworkers a cake that contained marijuana without them knowing. Which, like, on one hand, very bad to drug anyone in any manner yeah. whatsoever. On the other hand, I would totally eat cannabis cake. I would eat yeah. an entire cannabis cake in one sitting. Belushi over here. That's right. Legalize it. <laughs> he opens the box. Look, there's I... a cannabis cake in it. <laughs> Makes that really good. I do face. not want to. I don't want to condone unknowingly feeding somebody marijuana. That's terrible. Yeah. Like even if I do not think marijuana is like really that bad of a thing to consume, absolutely you should not give it to somebody without their knowledge or consent. No, That's you're you're just saying up. if it was offered to you and told you were told what yes. was in it. Yeah, if somebody came up to me and said, I have baked this nice cake, it is full of weed. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, I'm game. Where's a f Give me a fork. In fact, no, don't. I'll just eat this with my hands. I'll yeah. Make a fool of myself. It won't matter. No, none of this matters. I, when I moved out on my own, I had this moment where I realized I could pretty much do anything and nobody could judge me for it. So I had baked a really bad cake and just kind of sat it in the fridge, and occasionally I would just grab it and eat it like it was an apple. Just chomp right into it and set the cake back in there, just living the best life I could possibly live. You don't still do anyway. that? Uh, no, because, like, baking a cake takes effort. <laughs> and then I could, like, right. like I could Think go how buy... how much spaghetti you could make in that time. Yeah, spaghetti, yeah, it takes, like, five minutes to make. Uh, but I could buy a cake, but cakes are expensive. It's like 20, 30 bucks for a cake. What the hell? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
kind of on kick now. Me too. Well, that is the biggest shitstorm. There was other stuff that went down. You know, we we've kind of mentioned it offhand as a joke numerous times, but all the stuff surrounding Naughty Dog and their working conditions, I think, is also really terrible. Uh-huh. Just working those people into the ground for phenomenal. Well, uh, as a game, The Last of Us, uh, maybe I don't know. That doesn't seem like it's my kind of game, but like I had played Lost Legacy recently, as I have mentioned, and there were moments in that game where I just kind of drank in the scenery and thought like how many pipes hit people on the head to create this environment because it is gorgeous. It's stunning. And the, the really sad thing about it is I know people were overworked to make something look this good. Um, I mean, it's the one like, yeah, that... though, like... Even putting aside the conditions of Naughty Dog especially, that's the whole thing of no ethical consumption under capitalism. Whatever you buy is going to be, there's going to be bad stuff put into it most likely, unless it's a very small yep. indie studio like Supergiant or something like that, where you know that they actually give a crap. But pretty much anything from a major company is going to have stuff like that put into yeah. it. Yeah. I, it's a weird comparison to make. Um, uh... But I have been in the habit before of buying bootleg Gundam model kits because they have put out, you know, different suits from the animes and stuff that Bandai, for whatever reason, is not putting out, or they have unique takes on them that really stand out to me, and I want to be able to have it on a shelf. And I know that, like, morally, it is wrong to buy a bootleg product, and I've had purists in the Gundam model building community yell at me for supporting the evils of the bootleg market. But, like, if I really sit down and I look at pretty much any product that I buy, if I want to find something that's going to bother me about the process of making it and the ethics involved, I will not be able to enjoy a single thing. Well, also, in that case, I would say it's very similar to a company that I have a feeling is going to show up later, Nintendo. Um, (laughs) If if Bandai's not making those suits, what are they going to do? Like you're yeah. not you're not buying like bootleg versions of something they already made. Like they're not doing it, so they're not going to see your well, money anyway. Yes, no, I bought all those Gundam Wing ones, but that also was like they then so they didn't have those ones out because they were like specifically the Infamous Waltz movie version of them, and like then they later put them out. Yeah, so but they were basically just recolors of kits I already had, and then they also charged like twice the amount for them. Yeah, see, so, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I think the closest one where they then put something out that was basically that was uh, the Strike Gundam that I have, but also Bandai's version of it looks so fucking boring compared to the one that I bought, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to to kind of get back to what brought this weird sidetrack thing up, like, yeah, like a lot of video games especially, there is some amount of crunch involved there is unethical treatment of employees working them to death. You have a lot of cases where people are just kind of contracted, so they work them into the ground, and then when the game is done, they're like, okay, see ya. Right. And also, you're just not here anymore. You're not getting any money from this product actually releasing. You're getting no bonus. Get lost. And, like, that's really, that's really bad, and it is something that absolutely needs to change. There needs to be unionization within that industry to push back against stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if the consequence is getting smaller games, fine. Yeah. I'd rather people not suffer for the games that I enjoy. At the same time, I keep playing video games <laughs> because it's a part of the process for all of them. Yeah. That's the fucked up part. Well, 
you know, <sighs> watch movies, a lot of similar situations with those, and it's going to yeah. happen. Um, music, yeah. for that matter. The, the way the musical artists are treated in the industry continues to be fucked up and, and miserable. And that's why a lot of that industry has, you know, a lot of artists now end up trying to break out of that and find a different way to distribute their music and actually profit off of it. That's always been the case too. Like they never make yeah. money from record sales because they all went to the record yep. company. They would always make it through touring and merch and everything. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. I, I was going to say something. I don't remember what it was. I got sidetracked mm. about this other stuff. But I had to talk about Gundams. I just I <laughs> went over yeah. at my closet and it's full of them. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, the naughty stuff, the naughty dog stuff is is. Also a very bad thing, uh, but it did not blow up quite in the same way as everything else. And in fact, there's a, another, there's a parallel to that story with another company that is maybe even bigger and more disastrous. So, uh, so yeah, I think biggest shit storm, even though again, doesn't quite fit in the spirit of it. It goes to Ubisoft. Uh, my initial pass through this, just to give you some behind the scenes stuff, I was going to just give it to CD Projekt Red anyway, and then rename the award to the Ubisoft Sexual Misconduct Memorial Award. <laughs> yeah. But then I was kind of making light of it, and that's yeah. also really shitty, and I'd rather sit down and kind of unpack some of that stuff and, and talk about it. So. Okay. Anyway. Congratulations, Ubisoft. <laughs> How's Anno going? <laughs> I see it wasn't on your list, which was kind of strange to me. I'd have to think that like not a lot of people were sexually harassed during Anno because it's such a dry game. Like <laughs> no one's got time to get horny while developing Anno. Good point. Yeah, this is the anti-boner that game. Uh, worst publisher though, I think it's got to be the next one because again, we're saving the big thing for last. Here we go, uh, and it should come as no surprise. Worst publisher is Nintendo. They did That's it. That's right. <laughs> they done did it. This is what I was predicting I thought this would be the case When you said that you didn't want a CD project To just run all categories mm. I was thinking well alright Then uh, we'll just get developer And our good well, old friends at Nintendo I also feel that as a publisher CD Projekt Red has maybe done less wrong During the course of the year than Nintendo Well yeah that's If you're thing. looking at them strictly from the publisher perspective Yeah like everything um, on GOG is still going fine I guess as far as I know Well there was that There's one thing There was that There's one thing, thing and we'll talk about it Yeah, yeah. It, we'll, we'll talk about that Because I'm lumping that in with the developer stuff yeah. Because that's It's going to be a real celebration of CD Projekt Red yeah. um, But Nintendo uh, Hold on I made a list I had to because there's a lot. This of all the games that Nintendo put out this year, which would be a total of one. Pikmin three. Nope. I was thinking Animal Crossing. Oh right, sure. Yeah, Pikmin the only game that anyone played on a. Well, it's also yeah. the only new game. And Pikmin three is just a port. A so, worse looking port. <laughs> I tweeted out that I think I've played a grand total of two hours on my Switch this year. And uh -huh. it was entirely in Mario 35, and I said, wow, this is shitty. And then I put my Switch down forever. Yeah. Uh, I give it twice as much credit as I deserved because Nintendo, thankfully, had put out an actual st statistic of how much time you spent playing Nintendo games and how many games you played on their console. Uh, at the end of the year, and I played exactly one hour of Nintendo games. 
and I played two games total, and I'm pretty sure one of those was that I left Luigi's Mansion 3 running on my Switch, and so I started it up and it booted into that. Probably. I don't know what Great else Great year for Nintendo. Yeah. Oh. Maybe I popped it. Mario Maker I might for have tried. a little bit? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Whatever it was, it had to have been at the very start of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like my, I don't have a switch pretty much for any reason at this point other than there's a Shin Megami Tensei game coming out for it and boy if they just announce that they're doing a PlayStation 5 version for that uh that switch is going up on eBay along mm. with all my games cuz I don't care to own any of them uh kind of a running thing with Nintendo this generation is that you could always kind of rely on them to put out really solid first party games you could argue that maybe the reason to own a Nintendo console is purely for that and nothing else. Uh, this generation has been dire for first-party yeah. Nintendo games. They're not maintaining the same level of quality they once did from a technical standpoint. And in terms of just entertainment, kind of think a lot of them just aren't good. Yeah. I liked Luigi's Mansion 3. I played the original one shortly before it. Luigi's Mansion 3 has nothing on the first Luigi's Mansion. Correct. Uh, Mario Odyssey, Pokemon really good. game. Yeah, that, that's like the one, though, right? Yeah, yeah basically. It's pretty much it. it. Puyo Puyo Tetris is really good. That released on other consoles, though. Did you know uh, Puyo Puyo a... Tetris 2 is out? Yeah. I didn't. Considering picking that up. That, that just... uh. Crept up on me. I forgot they even announced it. Yeah, yeah, it it kind of crept up on me too. But but yeah, like it's it's just their output has not been what it once was for this console, which is especially disappointing to me because one of the things I've wanted to see from a console the most is that portability, where I can have console quality games on the go and then just plug it into a TV and play it on a TV. So. I got what I wanted, Instead, and then they didn't put out any games I wanted to play on it. Well, it's more that you're getting like phone quality games that you can also <sighs> plug into a TV. Oh well, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> Pokemon Let's Go is basically just reusing assets from <laughs> Pokemon Go. Uh-huh. So yeah, but despite the fact that Nintendo, I think, has had this long history of not really maintaining their quality on this generation um, and kind of other stuff that we're going to get into. I feel that 2020 was really kind of the peak for that stuff. It was really sort of where everything crescendoed with Nintendo being a garbage publisher this generation. Because yep. like, yeah, they've been putting out not great games on the Switch, but this year they had fucking nothing. Yeah. And like, I know COVID happened but you still think they would have had stuff on deck to just release in 2020 that they had been working on leading up to this point. They got nothing. Right. That's the thing. Like people like to use the pandemic as an excuse, but that only happened in March. Like yeah, people, other companies have also figured this out. Yeah. Also, you would have a game in development before then. You're not doing the entire game like, since March. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Right, so I kind of bullet pointed some of these things, and 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 we'll go through them. But I think probably the biggest sign of that was everything to do with the 35th anniversary of Mario, because there was evidence that that game, that the 3D All Stars stuff, was planned and ready to go more mid-year, 
And then for whatever reason, they decided to wait until like the last quarter to release it and then put on an arbitrary time limit to get the game. And if you were being real cynical about it, you could say that maybe because COVID happened, they anticipated a poor financial quarter at the end of the year, realized that's really, really bad. That should be your strongest quarter. And so they had to finagle this scenario where they could push out a tremendous copy of a game that probably had very little overhead on it. Yeah. Couldn't have been too much. It's my conspiracy theory, at least. Yeah, well, couldn't have been too much because the games are all emulated is the other thing. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't Um, even bother to put Galaxy 2 in there. That's the main thing. 3D uh, Mario 3D World That's a separate release Fuckers (laughs) Oh god And that's like a full price release too Which is even better Just like Um, Pikmin 3 A 4 hour long game $60 for 3 Mario games Uh, One of which I think is a bad Mario game That's Mario Sunshine I do not care for it Um, I know you don't like Galaxy I've never played it I I would say 2 out of 3 games in that collection are bad Okay, well, uh, if you break down the price, you're paying about twenty bucks per game, and even at that point, I would say twenty bucks is too much for Mario sixty four. Yeah, like a Nintendo sixty four game should not cost you twenty dollars. This is coming from somebody who has bought like uh, forty Nintendo sixty four games within the last few years. Mm. Uh, someone who has maybe paid way too much for Ogre Battle sixty four and Smash sixty four. So I say with some authority, 20 bucks, too much for Mario 64. Um, but yeah, like the the fact that just they're, they're all emulated, it just seems like such a low effort phoned in port. There's really no additional features or kind of bonus content to kind of help celebrate the legacy of those games. And I think it does like the All-Stars brand a disservice because like the other All-Star game that we got way back in the day, like, those are full-on remakes of three full, video, four full video games. Yep. And like a release of a game that never even came out here. Yep. Like that takes effort. Uh huh. So wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Back when laughs> great. Cared. Yeah. For me, uh, I think the most interesting thing this year is other people finally realizing that Nintendo has outright hostility towards its fans. Um, yeah, so that is um, that is another thing that I was going to get into here is is more of the copyright takedown stuff and then putting out statements going like, copyright infringement is the greatest plague on video games when, like, really, they're making their own problem. Yeah. They have these IPs. They can release these games. They could do it on a digital platform like their competitors are, but for whatever bizarre reason, they don't want to put in the frankly small amount of work it would take to start releasing some of these like Nintendo 64 or GameCube or even SNES games. They'd rather put out a mini console with artificial scarcity attached to it. They would rather like trickle out a couple Donkey Kong games over the course of an entire year onto their subscription service. Uh, Meanwhile, Microsoft and Sony are way better about maintaining a digital back catalog of their games. And I think that speaks to the fact that Nintendo still has a very ancient view of how this business is run. I mean, I would say Microsoft is. I don't know what Sony really is. Sony is still better about it than Nintendo. Yeah, that's the thing. 
yeah. the thing is yeah nintendo like that's the main thing for me is they have that subscription service they have the framework in there to make mm-hmm. a uh, a sort of console that is virtual uh, that you can buy games on and instead they're just like nah just gonna tie it to this yearly subscription thing and we're gonna put stuff on there and take it off whenever we want because who cares you do what we yeah. want yeah and and that's like part of it too is they had the virtual console and if they really cared about that stuff they could have put in the work to figure out how to port the virtual console over to the next system it is a like an android architecture it could not be that hard to port something like that over and yet they didn't and so like part of my issue with them if they did eventually start selling these old games piecemeal like why would I buy them because I can't trust that they'll just carry over to the next system? Yeah. There, there's no guarantee that they wouldn't. I do not trust Nintendo because look at everything Nintendo does. They do not engender trust from me. Correct. It's like, um, um, like I, I, can, I can turn on my Xbox Series X and play Daytona USA. Yep. So... Play Sonic Unleashed on the on the on the new Xbox. Uh, you can can you do that on Nintendo? You can play Sonic Unleashed oh, on the new yes. Xbox. Can't do that on Nintendo. So good point. Balls in your court, Nintendo. Um, but like an extension of that too is putting out these games from the Wii U for sixty damn dollars. Because <laughs> like, if there's maybe one benefit to the Nintendo Switch, it's that I could possibly like liquidate my Wii U collection, sell that Wii U, get rid of it. And, and just kind of free up some space there. But it is not worth selling these Wii U games when they're getting re-released because I might at best be able to get like 20 bucks off this Wii U disc that I have and then use that 20 bucks to pay off a third of the same game on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just going to keep the Wii U plugged into the TV then. Eh, that, like I have been doing, I haven't sold my old Wii U games where I'm just like, I'll just take the loss. I'll get Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, I just yeah. don't bother. I have the Wii U in, in the spare bedroom hooked up to the 720p TV because that's really all it needs. I had my Wii U hooked up until the new consoles uh, came out. Then I had to put it up. Yeah. I kept it there mostly to play Fortune Street because it played Wii games <laughs> the Wii, also. The Wii U is hooked up to the same TV that the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 occupy because that's pretty much the level <laughs> of quality that yeah. I equate it with. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Uh, but like that's that's messed up because with like a lot of re-releases and and ports and stuff like that that you see from the other consoles, like they are at least more they they aren't as cost prohibitive. Like they understand this is an old game or porting it over, you aren't going to get charged as much. You might already own this, and and we need to still incentivize some way to sell the game again to you, so we're not going to charge you full price. There's exceptions to that, like of course Devil May Cry Five is probably too much money on the new consoles. Well, it's forty but, at least. It's not sixty. Oh, I thought it was fifty. Okay, never no, mind. I think it's forty. Okay. No, still my bad. Too much. It's still a bit too much. Yeah, but like, what? It is still cheaper to get this game that came out last generation. Some would say game of the year. That's right. Than it is to buy Pikmin three. <laughs> yeah. The Nintendo Switch, which is a problem. Um. Uh, but yeah, in, instead of taking these old games and finding a way to repackage them and sell them, they're just going after piracy. And, and there's another way to fight that stuff, and it's just by making those games more accessible. And then, of course, you got people white-knighting Nintendo. 
acting like, ah, it's so much effort to put an SNES game onto an Android device. Think about poor Nintendo. I don't care. I don't care either. But speaking of Nintendo and, and cease and desist orders, there was also the whole thing with the Super Smash Brothers Melee tournament, which we've not really talked about on the podcast, but I think that when you're looking at bad stuff Nintendo has done in 2020, it's kind of up there. Yeah. Uh, there was a there's a tournament called Big House. Uh, and they host a melee tournament and uh this year's event was going to take place entirely online because, of course, there is a pandemic. Uh, you don't want to get a bunch of Smash Brothers freaks in the same room as each other. Disease <laughs> already spreads quickly enough at yep. these tournaments. You can't count on them to wash a... their hands. They don't even take baths. No. <laughs> um, but they, they did this by finding like some really nifty workarounds to play the game online uh, through a client called Slippy. And so Nintendo, they did not like that at all. Uh, so they asserted yeah. that Slippy uh, violated their copyrights by using illegally obtained copies of the game, which is not necessarily true because you could use legitimate, like, dumped ISOs to play the game. There's nothing illegal yeah. about taking your game and dumping the ISO and playing it on your PC. I don't know if that's true. I'm pretty sure that that... I might be wrong about that, I but I'm pretty there, sure that that is fine for some... personal use. Maybe. I feel like there's maybe still something about not doing that, but. Let me get Modern, that... modern Vintage Gamer on the blower and I'll ask him because he's way into emulation. I mean, that's also just me, like, thinking the worst of copyright law because, of course, yeah. they're going to do as much as they can, make it as draconian as possible to sure. keep anybody from exploiting their precious IPs. Yeah. But still. You know, they just want to play Smash Brothers, man, and they yeah. want to do this tournament. And and in, in tournaments past, they've had to shame Nintendo into allowing them to play Melee by like, hey, this is a charity event, and you do not want to shut down a charity event because that <laughs> looks super bad. I mean, just think of how much insane money Nintendo would make if they just ported Melee <laughs> and added Netplay. Yes, put Netplay and just sell it on the eShop, it prints money. I don't know why they won't do it. I don't know. It is insane to me they won't do that. Like, that's that's the thing I try to figure out about Nintendo, is, like, they're not necessarily a dumb company. They know what they're doing. There has to be a reason why they don't do that. I just cannot fathom what it is. Because it just seems like a layup to me. Yeah. So I... Is it about, like, IP... And brand preservation that like you make this thing scarce and so then it's worth more when they do finally decide to put it up like I yeah like I also I do think that might be some of the reason with Smash is that they were like well if we put Melee out then nobody's gonna get the new one even though I think those are yeah, two different be. crowds like, I don't know that the people way into Melee would actually care I know one person who's way into Melee and I could probably ask them I'd actually be interested in what the answer to that is because there's definitely a culture surrounding melee. Yeah, bacterial culture. Ayo. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> got him. <laughs> oh, I got this bacteria from a 14-year-old. Oh, no. It's funny because they, yeah, because there's some real creeps, uh, which like that initially, like I had no idea what this stuff was. And my first impression was, 
well, if Nintendo's trying to distance themselves from all this other shit going on around Melee, like, then maybe Nintendo is not wrong to do that. But that's not what it is. No. Nintendo don't care about that. They care about their precious IP. Yeah. And so this then resulted in a Nintendo run event around Splatoon 2 getting canceled because teams kept entering with names like Free Melee. And so instead of actually addressing that, Nintendo just decided no one's having any fun. We're shutting it down. <laughs> Fuck you. Which, god damn, man. Like, you couldn't just say, like, hey, we're not allowing names like that. We're asking you to resubmit with a different name, but we're still going to host this, and we want people to have fun with this game. Instead, they're just like, we're shutting it all down. Yank the plug. fuck you guys. We're spiting you. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, they're yeah, just the live stream coming over and turning the TV off. It's, it's time Melee to go. Melee fans going, no, fuck you, dad. <laughs> Yeah, my numbers are dropping. Everyone in the chat room is yelling at me. <laughs> uh, they also took down a bunch of Smash Brothers related mod videos on YouTube, which is something I didn't know about until just recently. Uh, you know, people just trying to explain how to, and maybe add other characters and stuff in the game that normally wouldn't be in there. And then Nintendo's just like, "Well, we don't want anyone messing with this game at all. You enjoy it as God intended, which is on a Nintendo system." hooked up through RGB cables to your flat panel TV, so it looks like shit. Yeah. Unless you buy a frame, Meister. Um, so yeah, like, just all this stuff, again, it, it reeks to me like Nintendo has not learned how to operate their company to account for modern times. That's right. This is a very old way of thinking of you only enjoy our products the precise way that we want you to enjoy them. We don't believe in backwards compatibility or re-releasing games for that matter. You know, it's a games-only service. It doesn't do anything else. None of that bells and whistles like that other crap out there. But then, like, over time, the way that that manifests becomes progressively consumer-unfriendly because it is becoming more and more normalized that you have access to back catalogs of games digitally or otherwise and nintendo is unflinching on that and it's becoming increasingly normalized that you can stream games and you can create tournaments around these games and that's perhaps to a company's interest to embrace that to strengthen their brand and to engender goodwill with their community and then sell more games but nintendo would rather burn that all down because yeah. uh, they know that by the end of the day there is still enough complete freaks out there who will defend nintendo tooth and nail they will climb over each other to kiss Nintendo's ring. And they will sell enough consoles and enough games that really this doesn't matter. This is also, like, that's kind of the thing Square Enix went with a few years ago. Uh, if you remember, yeah. all their games would have these, like, big warnings saying, like, do not stream this game. Do not, if, mm -hmm. if you put this on a title screen so people can listen to the music, that's illegal and we're going to hunt you down for it. And eventually they stopped that because they realized, eh, <laughs> whatever. There's, I've even seen cases of them just removing like videos off YouTube that had like songs from Super Nintendo games. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you going to... You don't have a soundtrack for the Kirby games, do you, you fucking freaks? Like, just let me listen to Gourmet Chase. Of course, then, this isn't even getting into how they can be modern when it comes to uh, surveillance on people that they deem <laughs> worthy of it. Yeah. You I sure hope that? I'm not getting surveilled. Uh, yeah, why don't we? Okay. Take a minute for this. 
I think you know more about this than I do, though, because I completely forgot about it. Um, so uh, Nemod, I think that's how you pronounce it, was uh, the guy who cracked the 3DS. And so there was a leak of Nintendo documents recently, and one of the things that leaked was oh, right. yeah, yeah. their whole plan for dealing with Nemod. And they had like a whole dossier on him and like what he does, like where he works, um, his daily activities and everything. And then they had this whole plan of here's how to engage with him because from what I could understand, they were trying to work with him, like basically to have him work as a white hat for them um, and sort of a situation where he wouldn't get classified information, but they would be able to give him stuff, see if he could crack it and reproduce that process and all of this stuff. But it was just in the creepiest fashion possible. Like, well, we'll have two people off to the side monitoring the situation, and then we'll have two people approach him, and they're going to introduce themselves. We don't want to scare him off, uh, because part of it was that it specifically mentions the way Sony handled, um, what was the guy who uh, cracked the PS3? Oh, I don't remember Something hot? Super hot. I don't know. Hot boy. Big Hot, hot. Hot man. Red hot. Cha cha, yeah. hot hot, ooh, feeling hot hot hot. That was it was Buster Poindexter. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they it specifically mentions that they don't want to ruin things the way Sony did with that guy. Um, but the whole thing is just so clinical and weird, especially coming from Nintendo in this document that has all these like, pictures of the 3DS logo and stuff in it. That's a bizarre thing to read. Have you heard about the thing with Nintendo sending out that Ganondorf statue? No. Okay. This is along the same lines as that, I guess. Except the difference is that they don't have like a handler and then a bag man waiting to snatch somebody up. And by bag man, I mean a man with an actual bag to shove Nemod into and then. It's like those guys in Bloodborne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the ultra chore that is Nintendo. Uh-huh. You stare at it too long, you'll go mad. Um,. Yeah, I looked at, you know, the big dump of, like, Nintendo source code and stuff, and I started growing a bunch of extra eyes, and now I can see space and time. Um, I cracked the 3DS, and then Rom the Vacuous Spider appeared. <laughs> uh, there, This happened quite some time ago. Um, I'm trying to remember what this guy... He had jailbroken something. God, was it the Wii, I want to say? But anyway, he, he put out basically this jailbreak, and Nintendo went after him and sued the pants off of him, and he lost. So he's now paying money to Nintendo for the rest of his life. Uh, and then, like, a couple years go by, he gets a box in the mail, and it's an appreciation from Nintendo Box for being such a valued customer, and it is a Ganondorf <laughs> from Wind Waker statue. And he's like, well, that's neat, I guess. Thanks. That is a Joker origin story. That that sort of thing happens to someone, and then they get an RV and park outside a building in Nashville. <laughs> That's how that kind sure, of thing happens. Nintendo headquarters in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> There's an audio recording coming from the RV that just says, I got your Ganondorf statue. This RV will blow up in 15 minutes. The RV just keeps repeating, I'm gonna win. Is playing gourmet race before it started the countdown. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, God. If an RV just parked outside a building and was blaring gourmet race from, like, the Nintendo 64 Kirby game, I would fucking book it out of there so fast. Oh, I thought you were going to say Something you'd want to open the door and RV. look in. <laughs> uh, 
God, yeah, it's all fucked up. I mean, of course, there was the huge leak at, at Nintendo 2, which um, kind of capped all this stuff off. Spent more time talking about Nintendo than I actually thought I would. Uh, I think that is a brilliant way to spite them this year. Because yeah. I know, again, how sacred source code is for people to just be like, fuck you. Here's all this stuff you never wanted people to see, you absolute assholes. Mm-hmm. But stuff is terrific. <laughs> so, yeah. like, not only is it just very interesting on, like, a more granular granular level of just kind of seeing, like, cut content and stuff like that, which I'm way into, like, the shit Nintendo has to eat over that is is kind of brilliant. Uh, they should eat more shit, though. Oh, absolutely. It should just be, like, solo yeah. 100 t- 120 days of Sodom over there for them, like, all the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well... That's it for Nintendo, which leaves only one category left. Worst developer of 2020. Oh, and a big boy. congratulations to CD Projekt Red. What? Who could have seen this coming? And all the shit they've done. So I also made bullet points for this, and it's significantly longer than the Nintendo one. Because <laughs> I tried to like, I tried to figure out like the the complete like timeline to this stuff. And it was actually quite a bit of an undertaking because there was a point in time where it was approachable. It's like it was the high rule historia game. now. Yes. So wait until we get into where the timeline diverges with oh. the development of cyberpunk. Uh, we end up in the alternate timeline where cyberpunk runs good. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Wish we were in that timeline, but we're not. Uh, well, I yeah. Am. So like, I wish that I had a reason to start documenting this stuff before the game actually came out, but there really didn't seem like there was much of a reason to, because there was a point in time where you can kind of look at Cyberpunk and go like, worst case scenario, this is just a disappointing video game, and maybe there are some weirdos who have attached their identity to it, and they're going to be completely devastated, but whatever. They're weird. Yeah. Um, instead, it turned into like an absolute disaster, and by the time that I thought I should probably be like, writing this stuff down, it was moving at such a fast clip, it became overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had multiple podcasts where we talk about something, and then like the second we're done with the podcast, something new has come out. So by the well, time this goes up... Do you want to mention, by the way, uh, that our podcast uh, curse happened within like the space between recording the gizmos and the Grimmies? Yes. Yeah, uh, I had mentioned, uh, if you're listening to this first then that is but don't don't do that shut this off i can't believe you made it this far Tell the proper order is to listen to the yeah the gizmos come before the grimmies uh you will enjoy this only the way that we tell you to <laughs> just like nintendo uh-huh. um i brought up uh scott the Waz, and then <coughs> as soon as we finished recording that uh his twitter account got hacked so i'm sorry scott i think this one's on me yeah i think so you seem like a good kid, Scott. I just don't really care about the content you make, but you seem like a nice guy, and I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I'm not interested in his videos. I just want to watch elderly men yeah. talk about Star Trek. Yes. Look, I know Scott listens to this podcast, so I just want to make sure he knows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Scott the Woz loves the Destroy All Children podcast. We need to put a disclaimer here that he does not actually, because I don't want to get sued by Scott the Waz. So he'll take all of that money that he wins and buy like, I don't know, 60 more copies of Hitch? Steve Wozniak loves us, though. That's the Waz. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
So I want to open this segment on a quote that I, I feel is very pertinent to the okay. rest of this discussion. Ready when it's done is not just a phrase we say because it sounds right. It's something we live by even when we know we'll take the heat for it. Uh -huh. Should be on the tombstone of CD Projekt Red because that is there's something so pure about that sentiment and the way the rest of this story plays out. It should be etched uh, into every cyberpunk disc the way like third man records like will etch little things into their stuff just like yeah. around the inside of each disc it's so like when microsoft puts hello from seattle on yeah. all their hardware that should just be like on the box for cyberpunk yeah it's like the master uh, chief helmet uh in the yeah xbox guts so we should probably start with something that's not quite as technical uh, which is that the game spent quite a considerable amount of its buildup and its marketing touting its inclusivity and how much CD Projekt Red wanted to be congratulated for being super inclusive, uh, but then completely falls on its face pretty much at every turn when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, the big thing was that they really wanted to hype up the fact that the game is trans-inclusive. Trans Sorry, I'm tripping over my words. Um, which would be a really great thing if it weren't for the way cyberpunk actually handles that, which is very bad. Uh, they yeah. tie gender to voice, which if you actually spend any length of time talking to someone who is transgender, that's bad. <laughs> that's very bad. Yeah. Uh, voice does not represent gender. They also are portrayed in the game more as like a sexual commodity than an actual person which is fucked up on like a lot of different levels. Yeah. I, so I have not really encountered that. I'm not very far into the game yet. Um, so far, the only thing I've seen was that ad, the energy drink or whatever, which is really weird and gross. Mm. And I'm not really sure. I think that's kind of like most of the problem. For the, for the benefit of filling people in who haven't seen it though, what does the ad say? It's like it's it's got a lady with a big honker, and then it also says like mix it up, and I think that's basically it. I don't yeah. remember it. I just saw it's like on a screen at the very beginning of the game. Uh, so a lot of my understanding too is that most of like prostitutes and stuff you encounter, like most of the trans characters are there. I don't know, and and maybe I'm. I've only done like that first that. main mission. Which ended okay. with me turning around and then Jackie making gun fingers because his guns disappeared, and then he turned around and clipped <laughs> through a bunch of lockers. So I should I should note that I've not actually sat down and played the game. So it is possible that I am off base with the representation of trans characters uh, again as like a more of a sexual thing than an actual representation. Uh, but from what I have digested from other sources, that is basically the tone in which they handle that. Uh, but even if that's not the case, tying gender to voice is still a big fucking problem. Yeah, and that's also it, just it, a weird thing to do. Like, why yes. not just have you select your pronouns, like separate? Because almost like, like Saints Row the Third did better with this, and that game's old. Yeah, like everybody in Saints Row just refers to boss like neutrally. They never say like he or she in it, and and that was the same thing. Like you just select your voices. And you're, uh, 
like yeah. your body type and everything is completely independent of each other none of it's related so yeah you can have a female presenting character physically with a very masculine voice in Saints Row the Third and they will refer to you through only gender neutral terms like yeah. it, it is a lot better about this than Cyberpunk a game that seemingly cared so much about this that they would not shut up yeah and also, like Saints Row the Third, they didn't draw attention to it at all from what I remember. They just released the game and it was just like, this is this character creator is really cool. Yeah. And like even like even putting that stuff aside, the character creator is bad. Like you don't have that many yeah. options in it. It's the character creator in Saints Row the Third. I've been playing the remaster of that uh recently. And that gives you all of the control over the face. You can mold it to make whatever weirdo you want. Uh, yeah. And cyberpunk is just like Pick from these like 10 head shapes Basically There isn't actually that much in there Which is disappointing There's not even a randomized face feature That makes them more and more of a monstrosity uh, As you cycle through it like no. Dark Souls yeah. yeah there is a randomized face But not a similar face Which is what you really want but oh, the, fun- yeah, yeah. the funny thing about that is you would think Oh well maybe they limit your options So then it will animate properly In the occasions that you see your own face Except then you look in a mirror And you can select the different face expressions And it doesn't yeah. move I don't know what yeah. that's about Yeah, It just also seems like they They kept focusing on stuff like that Which is incredibly unimportant In a first person game Yeah like, there are a lot of things like that where they did not need to spend the amount of time and effort and probably money that they did. They could have put a game out. <laughs> they mm. could have focused on features that mattered. But no, they wanted all this you know, extraneous bullshit in the game. And like, you know, and, and again, I, I just wanted to start on that point that I, I think they really wanted to be congratulated for how inclusive they are and similar to everything else with cyberpunk they completely dropped the ball on it they did not approach it with they maybe approached it with good intentions but they sure shit didn't listen oh right and like i think that's i think that's the thing with just a lot of different stuff of of trying to understand different communities that you know you may not be a part of yourself or identify as you need to listen and understand and have an appreciation of what other people are going through. Even if you get it wrong, if you get it wrong, you say, I got it wrong. And then you learn. Yeah. You don't just get it wrong and keep stepping in shit. Yeah. Just like constantly stepping on rakes, like sideshow Bob, like CD project's <laughs> yeah. been doing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that, that stuff just strikes me as bad and, and boneheaded. And that is just the beginning. <laughs> so we need to move on. Um, the yeah, next thing oddly, is that... like that's maybe the least bad thing of everything in Cyberpunk, <laughs> no, right? which is really something. Yeah. Um, so the next thing, of course, being that they had maintained uh, publicly as well that they would never put people under crunch. And then, gosh, wouldn't you know... They put their developers under a crunch to get this game out by the end of the quarter because Christmas is coming up and the investors love Christmas. You gotta make the you gotta make them happy because they got all the money. Uh-huh. And also, they've been very patient funding this game for almost a decade. <laughs> uh, Maybe so. 
we've already talked about on this recording what are our feelings on crunch are which is that it's a thing that should not fucking exist even if the cost of that is smaller games that's fine quit overworking these people mm-hmm. uh let them see their fucking family like there were documentaries on like playstation underground discs of the development on japanese games and it was just like I finished the game after coding for 18 hours and then I get into my sleeping bag under the desk and snooze like George Costanza. Like, that's not how it should be. And for what it's worth, it kind of sounds like the crunch on this game is not as bad as that, but it shouldn't have been a thing, period. No, Um, especially considering it didn't help, which is maybe the biggest thing. Yep. It didn't help. They promised it wouldn't happen, and, and much like a lot of their promises, they didn't make good on it. And there's probably even more crunch now as they scramble to get the game to, I don't know, run. Yeah. So, uh, which brings us to the next point, Plus, which like, is the game is buggy as hell. Yeah, like, even that aside, they still have to make the like current-gen versions of it for consoles. Yeah. So, yeah, that that plus the rest of this on top of it. It's not going to be a good time over there at CDPR no. Although you could also say Considering the amount of employee turnover From Witcher 3 That one probably had very similar issues Yeah That would not surprise me If if this is more of like hey the actual culture here Is that you gotta put in crunch hours But we're gonna say we don't overwork anyone Because the public eats that up uh, Oh I remember what I was gonna but, say before When I said I forgot about it It was when we were talking about um the issues of the game industry in general and how they need unionization and all of that. I was talking, or um, I saw someone on Twitter recently posting about uh, a job listing, which said something like, needs seven years in game experience and four AAA games shipped. And the person <laughs> oh, was right, like, I saw that. Yeah, they were like, man, I've worked like eight years at a company and we got two out. This person has no idea yeah. how long games actually take to make. And like, that's kind of an issue is that even just getting into it is such a crapshoot of trying to like basically win a lottery for a job. Uh, it's just all a mess. But yeah, okay. What next up? CDPR. I keep thinking, I keep thinking about how fun it would be to try to sit down and make a snatcher esque game and just kind of slowly learn that process as like a hobby. And and then yeah, I think about sort of the misery that even like very small independent developers go through to just try to put something out that functions. And I'm like. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather yeah. just go do anything else. Like part of that was like I got a story I want to tell, and I know if I approach it as a comic book, which is a thing that I'm familiar with, it would take a lifetime to do, and maybe it'd be easier because I'd do less art if I did it as a game. And then I consider the amount of coding involved in learning that stuff like offsets that and then actually makes that way more intensive. Yeah, I was gonna so, say I think it would take way longer. Yeah. And so um like people who are doing this professionally working for these major studios like i can only imagine how much more intense that work is how much more is expected of you as an individual even though you're part of like a conglomeration and then when you throw in fucking weirdos sexually harassing you if you're a lady that's even worse so this whole thing is just a mess and like cd project red's disastrous year i think is not necessarily an aberration Aberration. Like, aberration, I'm sorry. Uh, look, I've not pronounced anything correct on either of these podcasts, <laughs> so why, uh, who cares? Well, see, um, you, you have to stop and apologize whenever you trip over something. I just keep going. Just Yeah. 
Keep, I, I just feel bad about it. Keep um, on but, trucking. Yeah, you're the CD Project Red of podcasts. That's, so that's right. Keep moving ahead. Um, and like um, actually like speak of what you said in cyberpunk i did pick a lady specifically because i want to see how bad that stuff is i want to know yeah. like that and her voice actor just sounds way better than the guys but um yeah, yeah i was gonna go with like a lady also because i for whatever reason whenever i have a character creator thing i always just make a lady so i usually don't usually like uh make like an old guy usually that's why i always do in dark mm. souls yeah, when I played Dark Souls recently, I went with a guy. Uh, I went with a lady in Demon Souls, and I'll probably alternate. <laughs> really, when I play Dark Souls too, I'll probably just make a lady again. Uh, well, at least in that you can hey, just swap hey, back and you, forth with that. Like, you want to be staring thing. at a butt the whole game? <laughs> I'm not Stu. <laughs> I'm not Stu. <laughs> so the game's also very buggy. Uh, which is the most documented thing about this. And when I say that, like, what what is not unusual about this stuff with CD Projekt Red is more of the corporate culture and the crunch and the typical game industry bullshit that is awful and should not be a thing that exists anymore. When it comes to how buggy this is for a major release, though, it is exceptional. Uh-huh. Like, Bethesda games are crap when they come out, and yet Cyberpunk manages to be, like... Five Bethesda games rolled into a hideous catamari of yeah. bullshit. Ah, uh, there's there's so many videos out there that you could find of cars manifesting and dropping from the sky as if deposited by an unseen tornado. There are characters who will just get aggroed for no reason, and then if you turn your back and you look back around, they've despawned. So it's cool. Uh Lots of, like, repeated character models in high concentration, like five of the same lady walking across the street all next to each other, <laughs> which, if anything, that should be left in the game because that is a dystopian horror. Yeah. That is, like, the worst nightmares of the cyberpunk future made manifest is that, like, you could look precisely the same as another person because so much of your body is artificial. So you just have a doppelganger out there because you bought the same like body part products. Uh, You're putting too much, which is a very charitable. This. Yes, it's a very charitable way of me rationalizing that one specific bug. Um, so I can tell you, I uh, I've only played like the opening, the uh, sort of like intro part, which is the bit that changes depending on what background you choose, which is not very long, by the way. It's like forty minutes, maybe total, if that. Um. But I played that, the Nomad part, and there's a bit where you are like unplugging stuff in a car, and you unplug it, but the plug is still there, so it's like making two of them, and then you plug it into another place, and then you're supposed to be... It, on PC, that part actually works, apparently, where you actually are like moving the cables around, but on the console version, it does not. It just like duplicates it, and you're just plugging something else in a place where there's already a plug. Yeah, so there's there's been stuff out there about how the pre-release version of this game was handed out sooner on PC, and they did it through like their own installer that like members of the press got. And yeah. like that stuff was buggy, but there were people in the press who are kind of writing it off, going like, "Well, you know, this is a pre-release build, and they've already said that there's going to be this fat like 50 gigabyte patch that's probably re-downloading the entire game." Yep. Uh, and. So they're kind of dismissive of it, and there was stuff like breaking early about some of those bugs. 
but it was the console version that was a mess especially and they intentionally did not give out pre-release versions of the console edition of the game until like the day before for that reason probably that it was such a mess that they could not do that and not have it backfire also Um, though even on pc they were not allowed to use their own footage they had to use the supplied b-roll and everything and that should be enough of a warning signal Uh, yeah yeah. Any, but any time, though, that a developer is just like, we're not putting out review copies, that should raise an eyebrow. It might be that the game is actually fine, and for whatever reason they didn't do that. Maybe they don't want to spoil stuff in the game, but most of the time it's because the game is not presentable in that state. Yeah, And they want to sell copies, as a, as a company does. Uh, and that's why if you're doing a professional review of it, you should at least have that as a disclaimer, which nobody did. Yeah. Um, but then you also got like weirdos who are then going like, well, you should really wait until like a few months down the line where they patch the game and then do a review. And like, that's wrong too, because you need to close when the game is out, that loop needs to be closed. If there's a product up on the shelves, if you're a site that is reviewing products, it is on you to make it known what the level of quality is for that product. If you're charging money for something. Yeah. Like that's on you. Yeah. Uh, I sure am glad I canceled my pre-order on Cyberpunk when reviews started hitting and I realized just how bad it was. Mm. Uh, I canceled it a bit before that for other reasons, but yeah, yikes. Um, Which then kind of takes us to the next point. Uh, You had mentioned that this had been fixed, but upon release, when you did certain side missions, you would have like a flashing lights that were like modeled after the same lights that doctors use to diagnose epilepsy. Uh-huh. So it would definitely trigger seizures in people who have epilepsy. Yep. What the fuck? I don't know. This, and so this added to the pile. They then, like, instead of immediately going like we're, we're taking that out of the out of the game, guys, they like modified their terms of service to be extra condescending about like, yeah, epilepsy. You really shouldn't be playing video games, like. <laughs> Not the way to handle it, man. Uh, God. Just say, like, hey, it's bad, we're fixing it. Maybe hang off. If you have epilepsy for, like, a few weeks, we'll keep you abreast of fixing this. Uh, Or, I don't know, shut the fucking lights off. Yeah. Take the effect out of the game and then patch in a new effect later. I don't know. Yeah, that's Um, what they did. I think they slowed it way down and, like, changed the color on the lights or something. Good. But but also like the fact that it seemed to be specifically modeled after that is unconscionable. Yeah, it's a really weird thing. So, yeah, uh, and so that and and I kind of went just slightly out of order because I meant to mention that earlier. But to kind of get back to the stuff about pre-release versions of the game, that factors then into the deceptive marketing behind it, which is that they did not show any footage of the game running on like last-gen <laughs> consoles. They only used PC footage, so no one had any idea what they were getting into with the console version of the game, even though they used that footage to market the console version of the game, so they did, which is they straight did, up false advertising. did show um, the Xbox version running on Series X. That was the footage that I showed you, and I was like, I don't know about this game. I'm mm-hmm. canceling my order. Um, but that was did, it. They did not show it like still... running on an Xbox or yeah. anything. 
this is still one. litigious though yeah. and this is getting ahead of ourselves but a class action lawsuit has been filed against cd project red for this reason uh -huh. that they falsely marketed their game and god i hope they lose money on that because they really deserve to yeah uh, but uh that then kind of um factors into them lying to investors about the performance of the game because the, the investors they want to prod it out They've spent eight years funding this misadventure and holidays are coming up and these consoles that the game was ostensibly designed with in mind are on the way out. So you need to sell this video game. Uh, and instead of saying, like, coming hat in hand and saying, like, look, this just, it does not run well enough on this. This will backfire. We need more time to put this product out and meet the sales that you want from us. They decided to completely lie about it misrepresent it to the public and to investors and then put it out anyway and that did not go well <laughs> yeah um and so that has now manifested in <sighs> they had to apologize of course hey uh, we didn't show you the actual video game and we're sorry it looks like a playstation one net Yerose game <laughs> Yeah. This, um, this character looks like they're from Alone in the Dark. Hey, we heard you fucks like Final Fantasy VII, so we made it look just like Final Fantasy VII. Everyone's got all this brands. dithering. Yeah. <laughs> the details are in the dithering. dithering. We can't get rid of it. Yeah. Um, they had to say, hey, look, we're issuing refunds on the game. Uh, but also, Microsoft and Sony they can figure that shit out. <laughs> yep. Go ask them for refunds. But they didn't say that at See the time they either. They were just like, "No, uh, we're giving everybody refunds for this." And then yes. Sony and, then, and Microsoft were like, "Wait, well, what? Yeah, what? Do what now?" Um. So of course, Sony and Microsoft are not too happy about CD Projekt Red taking it upon themselves to announce that Microsoft and Sony will be issuing refunds for the product that CD Projekt Red kind of squirted out. Mm -hmm. on the market and so microsoft had to broaden their return policy i believe to the point that uh hey we see you have cyberpunk 2077 in your library you maybe want your money back on that uh and then sony decided uh hey fuck you guys <laughs> we were expecting to sell copies of this on psn it's the holidays now we're not gonna be able to do that and we gotta give money back so maybe you should just Fuck off. And they delisted the game from PSN, which is major. King shit. The, the timing of it. Honestly. Huh? Like, said king shit. Because, like, this is the thing. Yeah. I, I have the most respect for this one. Just like saying, nope, yes. guess what? You're gone. Who cares? Yeah. Dunzo. You can just tell how mad they were. Yeah. I would be. That, that they did this. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, yeah, the, the timing of it, the amount of like hype that was around the game the fact that this is one of the biggest end of year releases and it came out like this like sony not having it yeah take it off of psn and like now it's kind of a question of like will it end up on psn again uh, maybe will it end up on psn exclusively for playstation 5 and not ps4 probably that's what i would guess but yeah i'm not sure yeah, it's it's really up in the air because CD Projekt Red has supposedly committed to fixing the game so it will run. 
but then you and I were talking about uh, on the last podcast how that might be an Arkham Knight situation where they fix it to a point just to kind of get it to run good enough. And then they're like, we need to pull off of this thing and just focus on like the current gen version of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how that's going to go down. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we were saying before it came out that I really don't think it should come out on the last gen consoles. So. No, I think they should cut their losses there at this point. Cause by the time that this is fixed, I really think that more people are going to have the, the current gen consoles in hand in yeah. greater number so there's really no sense uh i mean you can understand it like there was such a huge install base for the old consoles of course they would want to get it out there yeah. but at the same time when well the amount of stuff of that needs disaster. to get fixed yeah. yeah yeah um well all this was going on on a nearly day-to-day basis uh devotion a Taiwanese game which contains an Easter egg mocking uh, the president of China, uh, Xi Jinping. Did I say that right? I think so. Okay. Uh, basically, like, I can't remember what the Easter egg is exactly. It's something that would, like, not register for American audiences. We would not be able to make sense of it, but it yeah, was very obviously text. like a dig at him. Yeah. Um, and of course that guy's got very thin skin and he's got the Chinese government backing him up. You can't even mention Winnie the Pooh over there because he's been unfavorably compared physically to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And that's what it was. It was uh, something like a uh, she Pooh, something like that. Yeah. I don't remember what the exact phrasing is. I mean, it's a, it's a common insult towards him because it's also a very effective insult towards him. It bugs the hell out of that guy yeah. and it should, yeah. he should <laughs> be bothered. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but this uh, was in the game Devotion, which is a, a horror game by Ta- a Taiwanese developer, as I mentioned. Uh, it looks very interesting to me. I wouldn't I've heard mind sitting down good. and playing. You can get uh, Devotion is on sale right now on a Steam, or a Detention is the second one, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, but GOG, which is owned by CD Projekt Red, uh, they were going to list the game on their platform, and then, like, the day before doing that, they announced that they've heard the voices of gamers! And Ooh. gamers say, we don't want devotion. That game looks like garbage. It turns out uh, gamers really love China. I guess. Or it's just the Chinese government was like, hey, hmm. no. No, or maybe it's somebody at GOG realizing, oh, we still want to sell games in China. Yeah. Which is what I think. Um, Because, yeah, Uh, there was no, like, outpouring of people saying, like, don't put this game out. Because, like, nobody actually cares. Yeah. There are people who really want to play that game. I cannot imagine that there is, like, a coalition of people, genuine gamers, who are upset about Devotion. That does not exist. No. It is is purely a market thing. It's purely a political thing. It has nothing to do with actual money in hand video game enthusiasts because they would rather play the game. Yeah. Uh, The thing that really bothers me about this, because, like, obviously the fact that this is just, like, kowtowing to a real piece of shit, which is itself just very bad, it's the fact that they also had to tell a bold-faced lie about it. Uh-huh. Like, not even believable for a second that that is actually what happened. Telling a lie about it. Could not have the decency to say, hey, 
from a, a market perspective, we have decided to withhold listing this game on our platform. We are sorry. It's like um still would have been bad, but not as bad. When they uh they had the whole thing about the refunds, um Austin Walker <laughs> quoted that and said yeah. like, hmm, I guess they heard they got many messages from gamers about this. <laughs> and like oh god, just what the fuck? Just having a great year, CD Projekt Red, really. Like, even outside of Cyberpunk, still finding a way to step in it. Yeah. And so the the last thing on this incredible journey that you and our audience has been so kind to go with me on is that we then started getting reports about meetings between upper management and developers on Cyberpunk. And gosh, wouldn't it just surprise you if the people who actually put the time and the hours into coding this game maybe had something to say to upper management about it. <laughs> I love Not that. happy. Yeah. Fucking mad, as they should be, that they put this time into the game, sacrificed their personal lives for it, and tried to raise the alarm about this is not good to go. Yeah. There's work yet to be done. Like that's And a, yet it gets put out there anyway. The thing we didn't mention here is that uh, whoever is in charge of PR and everything for CDPR, Jack, PR project read said like oh the game is done in like March or they're just working on polish now which is obviously (sighs) not true no definitely not Uh, I kind of feel bad for that PR person too because I'm sure that they actually see the writing on the wall with it and they're like I have a job to do though like I gotta polish this turd and put it out there and try to keep goodwill alive in the community which is just at this point an insurmountable task like maybe but at that point Um, the pr person like that's sort of getting into well they were just following orders territory (laughs) i sure yes yeah and it's the same thing for me as like defended to the point but also you're on the other end of this that i generally just do not look favorably upon i really don't like pr twitter i can't stand it i hate brands as people that stuff pisses me off so much but investors too where i've on this podcast kind of come to their defense a few times they were absolutely lied to again but they're also investors so they're still pieces of shit <laughs> so i just want to make that clear um yeah. but part of the way i feel for the actual developers and when i say developers i mean the people who sat down and they coded the game they put the work on in they, they missed events with their families when i say that this is the worst developer of the year i do not mean those people and i think it is unfortunate there are probably brick-brained idiots on the internet who think this game is bad because they hired hacks like no it's not those people's faults it's entirely the upper management but those people are still the developers of the game they're the ones running the development end of this process and in that light this is the worst developer of the year so, so that, I just want to make that clear. Like, yes, you're, you're no ill will to the actual workers. Developer as an entity, like overall, yes. which when you bring the management into it, that's a big part of it. And so a poorly mm-hmm. managed studio is a bad developer. Yes, absolutely. And perhaps I should have said that at the very start of this, uh, as I've kind of given <laughs> little you know, explanations of what each category represents. But when we do talk about worst developer, as you said, it is as an entity. Uh, it is not the people in the trenches. You and I feel for those people. It fucking sucks to be them right now. Except for the people who maybe put some of the questionable trans stuff in there, but who knows where yeah, that lies, yes. I guess. 
yeah, I'm not sure where that factors into things. Uh, I will also give props to the people in the development staff who put in obvious digs at CD Projekt Red in two different logs in the game. That's pretty good. We, here at Destroy All Children, we recognize heroes. And uh, yeah. no one's more of a hero. And also, um, that guy, uh, when they had the meeting between management and the developer, who had his own, like, SMID Mikey moment, uh, where okay, he was like, um, yeah, what what do you think about uh, us making a game about like evil corporate culture under these conditions? <laughs> I had a tweeted out because there's a, a popular refrain from the people who white knight CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, because this is a consistent thing between all these dirtbag companies, because it's the same thing with Nintendo, that there are people making completely unreasonable arguments in defense of it, because they've attached their identity to a product, which you should never do. Ever. It's a bad idea. You're going to get burned by it. Uh, yeah. But an argument that they have made is, uh, well, gamers, it's your, it's the consumer's fault, actually, for demanding the game came out. They caved to you people. <laughs> yeah, we and were like, holding them hostage. Yeah, exactly. We had the CD Projekt Red I got. I was the bag man in that case, and I was shoving the games into the bag. But, like, uh -huh. such a fucked up bullshit argument to make. And the, the reason being, obviously it's not the consumer's fault. They were marketed a game for eight years. The expectation that they put a product out actually is reasonable. Uh, it's the investors that put the pressure on them. If anybody put pressure on anybody else. And then that trickled down onto the staff of the game. Um, but also, I had mentioned this on Twitter, I feel that everybody making that argument absolutely picked the corpo life path. There is no fucking way that they did not. Show me their consoles and their save files. I will... I'll be vindicated. Yeah, like, so the thing is about the pressure put on them to release this this year, I think, again, is actually mostly on them themselves because of the thing I mentioned yeah. where they said they had claimed it was done. And so, of course, when you come out in public with that, then your investors are going to see, like, well, if it was done well, it, it can't be that bad. Mm -hmm. Just release it now. Uh, even even if you look at it from the con consumer's perspective, the amount of marketing that they put out about that thing kind of, you know. Yeah saying like hey it's, hey, it's done we just need to put some polish into it melee feels bad but it's done like, also that they announced it so long ago which I would think they would take yeah. as a lesson now which is do not release your game before you have started working on it or announce it I mean <laughs> they also yeah. released it maybe before they are working on it yeah. um, Ken Penders are making video games over here these fucking guys nobody knows who uh, that is stop <laughs> that, one's, that one's just for me <laughs> okay that's a George joke. It's for my enjoyment only. Don't you dare laugh at it. I know well, none of you will. It wasn't funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's funny to me. It's a little bit funny. You know who that is. No one else does. You and I do. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, just the amount of marketing they put out about like what the progress of that game was is also not unreasonable for consumers to say, okay, well, where is the disc? Yeah. Like, in the, in the last year, I don't think a single consumer would have been unreasonable to get upset about hearing about a delay when the marketing otherwise is game done. Pre-order game. Get yeah. game. Also, a little bit of a warning when the game went gold and then they were like, oh, by the way, also we're <laughs> delaying it a couple of weeks. 
to get this which also has out. yeah th that also has then sort of you know i'm very much on the side of like yeah drag cd project red for this because they kind of earned it but i think people also have like a misconception on what certification actually means for games it's like certification doesn't mean like uh the game's not that buggy certification means like this will not brick your system or yeah. like wipe data off of it certification don't care about johnny clipping through lockers or your car flying into the air spontaneously that's not what that process is right i mean uh, it hasn't for a long time that's why the nintendo seal of quality changed to just like the nintendo seal of what was it was nintendo. it just certification it's just, the, it's just nintendo seal this is a game yeah there's like software that. on this cart. That's all we yeah. guarantee. Yeah. Um, also, don't put the cart in your mouth, please. Um, it'll taste as bad as the game plays mm. in some cases. Got him. One more shot nice. across the bow at Nintendo before the podcast is over. Um, yeah, like, I do imagine, though, that the, when, when they, they finally get back around to recertifying this thing for digital release on PSN, assuming that actually ends up happening, like, they're probably going to be looking at it through a much tighter microscope. I, I think Sony is going to kind of comb through that game more than they did the first time. Well, from what I understand, it was it was pushed through CERT on the condition that CD Projekt Red promised that the day one patch would fix it. And it did yeah, not. Which, oops. Whoopsie doodle. Yeah, it's not do that. Whoopsie doodle, dumpsky wumpskies. <laughs> 50 gigabyte patch did shit. Yeah. Well, I think that makes us current with CD Projekt Red. Like I said, probably actually the biggest shit storm of the year, honestly, really, like in the spirit of that category. Uh, I know that this has been a long podcast, it's been a very pessimistic podcast. That's kind of the point of the Grimmies, it being the evil inverse of the gizmos. Uh, yeah. It's just us, like, climbing out of a pool and then marching down the street and looking to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put on some 3D glasses, eat some popcorn. Yeah, I got a, I got a gun and I got a hand puppet. I'm gonna get real <laughs> fucking crazy with it. I'm gonna <laughs> hang on to a ceiling fan and spin around. <laughs> Sure, that's what I've been doing the entire time. I've been talking about cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, that's sort of what the point of this is. And, like, it could have been a much shorter podcast if I had just focused on CD Projekt Red. Because, again, I, I think there is an argument to be made about them completely sweeping this year. But 2020 has been kind of remarkable in a few different ways. And I there's a lot to kind of spread around. And I really didn't want to miss some of the stuff because Nintendo's been especially shitty in 2020 mm -hmm. and the ubisoft stuff is disgusting and I, I i can't end the year without recognizing that yeah. uh but cg cd project red is is absolutely some of the most insane stuff i happened and it all like just book into the year yeah still happening so i think that's it larry all right we've expelled the evil from our bodies we are now pure and bathed in light to go into 2021 with high hopes and great expectations with hitman 3 just around the horizon yeah this this podcast started with us smashing our face in the mirror and saying how cyberpunk <laughs> uh, and it has ended with us standing in the streets screaming what year is it
I really like the bit where I put on the green glove and I punched <laughs> Cyberpunk until it shattered through the ground and spewed black flames. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all right, I take in all these copies of Cyberpunk and I'm putting them in this deep fryer. Don't get near it, it will blow up. We'll be it's back next munitions year in these cases. With year two of Destroy All Children. That's right. It'll be a lot like the first year, probably. Yeah. Uh, so nothing will measurably change. It'll be just like Joe Biden's pre- presidency. <laughs> we made it this far without bringing up politics, but hey. here we go. Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, the Xi Jinping stuff is a little bit different. It's not domestic. And a national. We're talking about other stuff. CD we talked Project about Red's RVs. not an American company. That's fine. Oh, right. Well, we still don't know if that was necessarily political. That just seems like a crazy person. It wasn't. It was just a real cool dude doing cool <laughs> stuff. Anyway. Uh, we'll see you next year. Goodbye, Grimmel. <laughs>